What's going on, everyone? Episode four of After Further Review, about to get it going. We got Ben, Ryan, and Chase all here ready to roll. It's been fun doing the show so far, and we've been really getting into the trivia. And so to start us off today, I think Ben's just going to pop off with a quick trivia question and get us going. All right, what's going on, guys? So for the first trivia today, it's a baseball question. It's going to be super, super simple, and we'll see if anyone can get it. So who currently has the most home runs who is not in the Hall of Fame? And if you need a hint, I can tell you the number of home runs that is. Okay, I'll take the hint. 473 home runs. Jeez. I feel Um, like I should know this. Yeah. Is it Barry? It is not Barry. It is not a steroid guy. Oh, okay, okay. No, that we know of. That's that like, we know we of. Definitely know of. Wait, Ben has this poster he just got. And I feel like it's one of those guys. It's like uh, Kenny Puckett's on there. <laughs> Kirby Puckett. Oh, Kenny <laughs> <laughs> Puckett. No, it's cool. It's cool. cool. And I honestly, and I know Mike Piazza's on the poster and Barry Bonds on the poster and oh, Ken Griffey senior. And I think all those guys are actually in the hall of fame. So. Oh, junior. I'm sorry. It's not senior. Yeah. I'm blank. I can't think of anyone. So the answer is Carlos Delgado. Carlos Delgado was who we were looking for. He has 473 home runs. Yeah, and if you look, he was off the Hall of Fame ballot quick. Like, he did not get much of an opportunity. And he has over 2,000 hits. Like, it's anyway. Wow. So, well, that was pretty interesting. Dang. Dang. Well, a couple botched baseball names, but a good way to start. Carlos that was a good question. Delgado. Yeah. I hope some of the listeners wow. got it. We've been, we've been having some tough times with these questions, so yeah. keep them coming, though. We definitely enjoy them. But with that, I think we want to jump right into USC 285, already going to be one of the biggest fight nights of the year so far and potentially one of the definitely best fight nights of 2023. So, uh, Ben, Chase, you guys want to dive into it? Yeah, this weekend, John Jones makes his return finally and in the heavyweight division. So a lot of this card is just loaded from top to bottom. We were running through it earlier. John Jones versus Cyril Gunn, Valentina Shevchenko, Alexa Grasso, Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. Undefeated prospect. I guess he's not really a prospect anymore, right, Ben? He's kind of at the point where he's a contender. Yeah, I think at this point, he's going to be in the ranks of, you know, Burns, uh, Kamzat, and kind of up there. I think he's at that level of competition. Yeah. And Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. That's a great fight, especially for Bo Nickel early into his UFC career. Yeah, crazy spot for him. UFC debut, but he is, I think last I checked, a minus 2,700 favorite in his UFC debut at 3-0. and He is yeah. a three-time All-American wrestler at Penn State, including um, 2019 Wrestler of the Year. And he is one of the most hyped prospects, I think, since Kamzat, probably. Yeah. And he actually talked about that in a in their press conference today. He said they're kind of on a track to fight. It's kind of inevitable because they're both wrestlers, and I would want to see that too. It makes sense. Yeah. No, it'll be, you know, hopefully he has got a chin on him. That's the one thing. Obviously, only three pro fights, I think two amateur fights. So, you know, and he even helped uh, Tom Aspinall in wrestling defense last uh, Tom's last bout. So, you know, I'm excited to watch him, watch him in the ring. Yeah, and another fight on the undercard that I'm really excited for is the Amachado Gary versus Song Kanan fight. I feel like it's a little underrated just because of the placement of the fight, but overall, definitely two guys who can light up the ring. Yeah, and I think Gary's interesting because you don't really know what his ceiling is. Um, and after this fight, he might his competition might really step up if he gets the win. Yeah. Definitely. But back to the main event, John Jones versus Cyril Gunn. This is definitely the test that I think we've all been waiting for. Kind of thought it was probably going to be Francis Ngannou. However, he's released and gone onto his own new ventures. And Cyril Gunn steps into his place versus John Jones. I feel like John Jones is going to come out and light it up. Just the heavy, like the weight he put on, he did it the right way. It took a few years off to do it. Cyril Gunn, though, is definitely going to be one of the more creative strikers that he's ever faced, though, in the octagon. Yeah, I think ultimately John is going to 
take the take the uh, fight to the ground, and that's where he's going to start dominating. And yeah, just for for this comeback, I mean, the only thing about this car that you wish you'd see is that Jones and Ganu fight. But otherwise, it's such a deep car from top to bottom. Uh, I think Jones is going to come out victorious too, just like you said. Yeah, yeah, especially if he submits him. I mean, that would be incredible and this does this gives me a little bit of shades of when he fought leota machida way back i guess it's almost like 10 years ago at this point but leota really gave him a run for his money i think it went into round three and then john jones just hit him with a punch dropped him got him weak and then he locked in one of the craziest guillotine chokes and coldest walk-off wins i've ever seen in my life where he just leaves him and Leonel Machida just crumbles to the ground like a like a water balloon like he just landed there yeah, that's wild. And to think that John John's like best career best career year was probably 2011 and here we are 12 years later and he's fighting for the heavyweight championship is just absolutely insane and he's still not even that old. I mean, obviously the youngest champ in UFC history, just so wild. Yeah, it's insane. This card, especially if you're new to the UFC and you want to check it out, this is a card to check to watch especially in the co-main event valentina shevchenko alexa grasso valentina shevchenko was bulletproof i mean she's unloaded her division multiple times really doesn't seem like anyone can challenge her in striking or wrestling it, anything yeah you take amanda nunez off her record and she's pound for pound probably if without a nunez probably the best women's fighter ever um i don't really think grasso did enough to really get this title shot um, but I mean, she's there and I just, I don't see her putting up too much of a fight, but Tango is getting older. So we'll, we'll see, but I don't, I think she finds a way to win. Yeah. She's so her skill level, especially in the striking. I mean, she might live, give grass with that little bit of time, like in the first round, second round, but she could easily finish her round three and on in any form. So yeah, and I'll, I mean, a lot of these fights, the favorites are huge favorites. There are some yeah. really massive favorites on this card. Heavy favorites. I, this is probably one of the heavier favorite cards I've seen in a long time. From top yeah. to bottom, from early prelims on. I mean, you got a couple fours, threes, 700. Yeah. And then obviously it gets to the main event, Valentina. She's going to be over 1,000. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Who's your... Who's your favorite underdog pick? Is there any, or is the odds just so great that if you, were like, if you were putting like a parlay together of all the fights, is there any underdogs you like you're semi-confident in? I mean, I guess Trevin Jones, because he's a slight underdog, Cody Garbrandt has, I mean, he's been okay. The past few years, he's been treading water, but I could see, you know, this was a replacement fight. So you know. I, yeah, I would say if I had to pick one, it would maybe be Brunson versus Duplessis because this could be Derek Brunson's last fight and mm-hmm. he could be calling it a career after this. So he could just be putting it all out there. And so be I would say, yeah, he's at, I think, plus 190. And I, so I would say maybe he would be one, but I'm not even sure against Duplessis if he would get the job yeah. done. Yeah, that's one of those UFC fights where sometimes the old vet just grinds out the younger guy even yeah, though he was like that. a heavy yeah yeah he did it with shabazian and yeah yeah where he just takes it to him and then takes him into deep water and they don't know how to get out of it so yeah. yeah the ufc is like that sometimes they give a younger guy some old vet who's got a terrible record maybe coming off like two or three terrible losses and then goes in there and just pounds him and really puts it to him so sometimes being a vet really plays a huge role in some of these fights. Yeah. And Duplissi's just got the win over Till, who just got him out of the UFC. <laughs> so, yeah. Just released. I saw, yeah. That's insane. I mean, he definitely needs to take a little bit of time to work on himself. But when he was at his peak, I mean, he was fighting Tyron Woodley when he was in his tw- early 20s, challenging for a title. I mean, that's insane. That's yeah. a crazy trajectory. So sad to see where it is, but hopefully he can get, uh, get out and get yeah. some, get a straight. Yeah. On another roster release, just, uh, wanted to say shout out to Darren Wynn. Um, he was supposed to fight Julian Marquez. He's on the prelim card um, in November, but he fell at the UFC uh, like prelims, I think, um, or he fell at the UFC practice facility. 
um, and hurt himself. And then the UFC cut him. So, oh. and he's good friends with Cormier. So I'm sure <laughs> Dan, uh, he's not happy, but anyway, just shout out yeah. to him. That's kind of a rough way to get cut from the roster. Yeah. That's cold by the UFC. You're only covered if you're injured inside the octagon. Only time you're covered. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so tough one. Yeah. I'm going to make one pick <laughs> for um, one bet, and that's going to be Cody Garbrandt. I know that was your underdog pick for Trevin Jones, but I'm going to say Cody Garbrandt at minus 178. He's had a rough, rough time since he won the title. I think he's one and four, and he has like four knockouts. He's been knocked out four times. So I think he's going to be stylistically pretty well matched against Trevin Jones. I think he's going to, he's more polished and going to come out with the win. I think whoever loses this fight's probably cut from the UFC. Honestly, Trevin Jones, like 13 and nine and Cody, Gar- Cody Garbrandt, if he loses another one, he's, he's done. Yeah. Yeah. You won't have a bad record overall, but he's still just at the point where it, it almost seems like he doesn't have any left in the tank and maybe he'd be better off boxing straight up. Yeah, he's going to become like a gatekeeper here soon, probably. <laughs> yeah, just a, a guy people fight, contenders. Yep. Second second pick for Ben, and after a further review, for those who don't, who don't remember episode one, he had the Travis Kelsey over 79 and a half yards of hit, so Ben's going for 2-0 and here early in the year. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not big betters here, but we're going to sprinkle them in here and there when we can. Yeah, when we got a lock or two, we'll put them out. Oh, I didn't. I didn't say a lock. So right. <laughs> hold on, I'm not that confident yet. We got some uh, soft heat coming. And no look, Cody. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And it seems like it's going to be a good fight, regardless. So, and the odds aren't crazy either way. So, it should be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely a great way to have a pay per view this weekend. And March is just loaded with sports. I mean, this is probably the greatest time of year outside of not having football. But I mean, the NFL. Yeah, and that's a good segment into our next uh, um, topic here, which is the World Baseball Classic, because that's obviously happening in March, too. Yeah. Yeah, we're super pumped about the World Baseball Classic, as we said before. It's been since 2017, and I don't know. The hype just seems real behind here. I'm more excited about this MLB season, and this is just like a great way to start. I mean, preseason MLB is going on now. Um Bills are playing pretty well, which I'm hype about. But, yeah, with the World Baseball Classic, as we said last week, we actually did all fill out brackets. And I don't know who wants to go through theirs first, but this this got me itching for March Madness personally. But I, I'm pumped about my bracket. We'll touch on that in a week or two. Yeah, yeah, definitely we'll touch on March Madness. But but the bracket right now is World Baseball Classic bracket, and and I'm excited. You guys want me to go first? Yeah. Go for it. Lead off. All right. So, so coming out of pool A, I have the Netherlands winning, and my sleeper pick is Panama coming out okay. as the runner up. All right. Pool B, um, this might be the same for everyone. I got Japan winning, and I got Korea coming out as the runner up in that pool. Pool C, US and Colombia. And then Pool D, I have the Dominican Republic winning that and Venezuela coming out as well. And then kind of going through the quarterfinals, I have Korea winning against the Netherlands. I have Japan winning against Panama. I have Dominican Republic winning against Colombia. And then I have the U.S. beating Venezuela, which sets up an ultimate semifinals. U.S. versus Dominican Republic, two powerhouses going at it. I feel like that will be the game of the tournament if it happens. Ultimately, I have the Dominican Republic beating them. On the other side, uh, straight Asia matchup between Korea and Japan. A lot of great pitching there. And I have Japan coming out on top, which sets up a wild finish, Dominican Republic and Japan. And ultimately, I pick the Dominican Republic, bringing home their second World Baseball Classic title. And my MVP of the team is Juan Soto. He's going to have a great... Great World Baseball Classic to preview the Padres season. I like it. I like it. All right, well, I'll go next then here. Um, so I have out of Pool A, I have um, the Netherlands winning it as well and Cuba as the runner-up. Uh, out of Pool B, just like you, I have Japan and Korea. Uh, Japan winning. 
Pool C, I have the USA and Colombia as well, USA winning. And then Pool D, I have Puerto Rico winning with Venezuela as the runner-up. So you you have the team that I picked to win it all not getting out of the pool right. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have in the quarterfinals, I got Korea against the Netherlands with the Netherlands winning. Uh, Cuba against Japan with Japan winning. And then I have Colombia against Puerto Rico with Puerto Rico taking the dub in that one. And then the big upset, USA against Venezuela. I have Venezuela beating USA. Um, so we got a semifinal matchup with the Netherlands and Japan. And I have the Netherlands winning in that, that one, going to the championship game. And then Puerto Rico against Venezuela, I have Puerto Rico. So I have a Netherlands-Puerto Rico championship with the Netherlands taking the World Baseball Classic and Simba as the MVP. For those wow. know, Anderton Simmons. Yeah, that's. I mean, you were high on Netherlands last week. You kept saying how every every World Baseball Classic they've done better. Yeah, did not see this coming, and you picking them to win it all. That's yeah. that's a bold yeah. pick. I I think they have. I I like what Chase said last week at Pool A. Just he said it about Cuba, but I do think that pool between Cuba and the Netherlands they have a pretty easy road out, and Pool D. I mean, I just think the USA is going to face someone from Pool D, and whoever they face is going to be a tough game, no matter what. if it's Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican, any of those teams are going to be tough. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little shook by that pick. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I love the Netherlands team. I mean, like you were saying, they've done better, and they're just scrappy. Like, I feel like they're just underrated baseball players, like especially yeah. in the MLB, yeah. I will say pitching is not their strong suit, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'll come on here and say I was wrong, but we'll see. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's single elimination, like you yeah. said. And for those who can't see, because everyone's just listening out there, the entire time I was going through my picks, Ben just kept laughing because he had the Dominican Republic losing, which I didn't even know about. So I had to go through that with someone laughing in my ear. For the record, I did change my bracket a little bit from what I had last week as I did have the Dominican in the quarterfinals. Yeah. I did not see that Netherlands thing coming out of nowhere. That's like, I don't know. All right. What what is your face? What are you looking at? So in uh, speaking of the Netherlands for my pool, a picks, I have Cuba winning and the Netherlands, the runner up. And like we're saying, they have an easy ticket. Those two teams should make it and, into the next round, no problem. Pool B, I have Japan and China. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think a little underrated. I, yeah. I like all your picks, too. I can definitely see why those teams would make it. Um, pool C, I have USA and Mexico playing. I, the, yeah, it was tough. I, I kept switching the runner-up team because it's a, I, they're a lot more competitive than I was thinking about it. And like we were saying, with the Netherlands not having a great pitching staff, I think that's going to be the difference for a lot of these teams in the, in the deeper pools is how good their pitching is going to be. So starters, that meant a lot to me looking through. Um, and that's ultimately for the pool D pick. I went with the Dominican team and Venezuela just because of their pitchers. I feel like overall, there's just the hitting's going to come, but it's going to be the pitchers that make the difference. So my quarterfinal uh, matchup is China versus Cuba. Uh, quarterfinal two is Netherlands versus Japan. Quarterfinal three, Mexico and the Dominican. And quarterfinal four, USA and Venezuela. So it's tough matchups. There's a lot of, a lot of heat in that round. In the semis, I have Cuba advancing versus the Dominican. And the second semifinal, I have Japan playing the U.S. Okay. Yeah, it's a tough matchup. Not going to lie. Although I did see that uh, Suzuki's out now for Team Japan. I saw he pulled out with Say an you. oblique injury. Yeah, yeah. Say you? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not that it makes a wild difference for them, but... And then in the championship, I had the USA versus the Dominican with the USA winning. So a little oh. bit of a homer pick, okay. but yeah. Hey, they, they won the most recent, so they're the defending champs. Yeah. I know. I think the pitching that they're just going to go up against, I feel like their hitting should do like outduel the pitching. But we'll see. It's yeah, going to be well, an interesting World Baseball Classic for sure. Yeah. Well, the Dominican might be the. Might screw me, but it's yeah. it's that bracket just gonna be brutal. Yeah, well, one yeah. of these teams is gonna lose. They can't all 
like I've heard you just have that feeling that one of the bet like one of the favorite teams is gonna lose somehow. I hope like Israel comes out of there or something and just like shocks everybody. Yeah. A Cinderella yeah. team. Well, and once you get out of the pool, it's single elimination, like we said. So it's gonna be just as crazy as March Madness in a game where like you know, it's usually a game of series where you have to win two out of three or three out of five or whatever it may be. So you get out of the pool, you have a chance to win. That's, yeah. that's just how it is. Yeah. And the Great Britain team, I just cracks me up. I was looking at the roster and not that it's like funny, but like half their team is Bamanian players and the other is just like, like players representing England. I'm like, that's obviously like because of the influence, but half their team is like players from the Bahamas and then the rest are from the UK. Well, they got their ace fans whirly though. So Yeah. But Tanaj Thomas is playing, and I'm kind of excited to see him pitch like oh, okay. extended innings. Yeah, yeah it is Pittsburgh Pirates. It'll be yeah. fun to see a lot of prospects too that yeah uh, that are pitching now at, like against major leaguers and real competition. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that because I don't always follow the prospects as much as you two. So to get a chance to see him play on a big stage all throughout the world against like top notch players or even like older savvy vets, it should be like a good showing all around yeah and with that i think we're going to take a quick break here and after further review but when we come back we got some nba talk coming up as well as one of our favorite segments the personal segments where we kind of each get to talk about a little something we like and we'll be right back and we're back episode four after further review been hyped so far we got out our world baseball classic uh brackets Ben's is looking a little sus, but I wouldn't expect anything less because Ben and Ben's brackets don't always go hand in hand. That's not a joke. It's just a statement. Anywho, I think before we wanted to get into the NBA, Ben wanted to bring up another trivia question, which I'm all for. I like the trivia. Yeah, I got one more trivia. It's another baseball, and I'll have another trivia uh, later in the show, and they're all baseball ones. So here we go. Who is so it's going to be the only player post 1930? So we're not going to include there's some guys, yeah. Um, the only player to have a season with 50 home runs, 150 or more home runs, 120 or more runs, 110 or more RBIs, and 200 plus hits. There's only one player to do that in a single season since 1930. Who is that player? My gosh, these questions tonight, they're great. They're wrecking my brain, though. I would say pre, pre-1930 was Jimmy Fox, Hack Wilson, and Babe Ruth. And then there's one, one player since 1932. So there's only been four players ever. Yes. And there's been one in the past 90 years. Yes. All right, I, I'm not as good with my history, so I'm going to go more current. My guess is going to be John Carlos Stan. Okay. Wow. Um, this is a tough one. I'm really torn on what to – I feel like it's pro- it could be someone from, like, the 90s. I also feel like it could be someone from, like, somewhat recently. Ben's also obsessed with Barry Bonds, so it could be Barry I Bonds. I know, and I said Barry Bonds was my first guess, and I was about to run it back. Fuck it. I'll go with the Barry Bonds. All right, you were both not correct. The answer <sighs> is Alex Rodriguez. No! What year? 2001. So, oh, wow. All right. 2001, he hit 318 with 52 homers, 135 ribbies. 133 runs and 201 hits. Chase, you Impressive. had you basically had the error right. I just didn't I never yeah. think of A Rob being and got six in the MVP. Wow. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> that was honest, the, that's the, that was the year we talked about. That no, was just, that no. wasn't. Yeah, that we talked oh, about. No, like... That was but we talked about the NL. <laughs> oh, that's wow. right. Wow, he finished sixth in yeah. the AL. For him was Ichiro, Jason Giambi. Brett Boone, Roberto Alomar, and Juan Gonzalez. Wow. I, to be honest, I don't think I knew that Alex Rodriguez hit 50 home runs. In a, no, I wouldn't have guessed that. He was no. well my radar. I thought he was more like a 30, 35. He had three seasons of 50-plus homers. 
What? Yeah, he's got 696 total. He was far away from the 700 club. Yep. He should just have retired him for him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why? At this point. <laughs> well, he was suspended all 2014 for yeah, true. So Yeah, he didn't miss a whole year. year. I mean, Anyways. he should have went to Huda, just took three years off after he retired, came back, juiced, juiced out of his mind for three years, and then just came back and hit four home runs and then retired immediately on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's astounding. Right. I didn't, I really kind of underrated Alex Rodriguez, I guess, yeah. early in his career. Numbers, but... I mean, the juicing thing is part of the problem. So maybe I didn't really put a lot of emphasis on it, but I thought that'd be wow. a cool trivia. Yeah. No, that, that was a good one. Yeah. Damn. That's someone I, could have gone i just like chase i didn't think of him as hitting the 50 home runs so yeah yeah with that um kind of diving back into the nba we're um a week plus after the all-star game now and there was kind of a couple crazy things that happened this past weekend that got me diving into some nba league stats uh just because for me the scoring has been kind of Obviously, the last few years has been wild, but this past weekend you had on Friday night the Kings beat the Clippers 176-175 in double overtime, which I honestly didn't believe the score when I saw it. And then they said it was the second highest game ever, and the other one was a triple overtime game in 83. That was 186-184. So just ridiculous numbers. I mean, the Kings are known for not always playing defense, but this was just a whole nother level that both teams got that high. And then on Sunday night to cap the weekend, Dame Lillard went into absolute clutch mode, dropping a 71 bomb against the Houston Rockets. 13 threes was super efficient. I think he made all of his free throws. I was like 14 for 14. Get that man some help. Yeah, for real. He does need some help, but separate topic. But what the the craziest part about Dame Lillard dropping 71, I was about to like lose my mind and go be like, oh my gosh, when's the last time someone dropped 70? When's the last time someone dropped 70? And obviously it was this year. It was Donovan <laughs> Mitchell earlier in the year. And I was like, what? Is this like common? I looked it up. Only eight players ever have dropped a 70 bomb. And two of them were this season. And I was just, I don't know, I was mind blown. Dame also has another game this year where he drops 60. Um, he's actually the only player ever to drop 70 being over the age of 30. He's 32, which is pretty impressive wow. that he's still playing like prime basketball, you know, two, three years removed from. I mean, obviously he's still in his prime. Um, by the way, he's with now two 60 point games this year, just quick Dame facts. He has the third most 60 point games of all time with five. Kobe has six and then Wilt has 32. <laughs> but, wow. But I was just like, I don't know. You think of like Curry final over shooting a bunch of threes or even guys like Durant, who can just run the scoring up and Dame is now third all time. But we're in kind of an error now when that we do have a lot more scoring and a lot more players are able to drop points. And, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So this year, teams are averaging 114 points per game, which is four more points per game than last year and the most since 69-70 season, which I was like – I mean, the last, like, five years has been a lot. But 114 a game is – I remember when it was like if you scored 100, you had a chance to win. And now teams are just putting up 114 on average. And for in regards to just 40-point games in general, there have been 148 players, not players, but maybe games where a player has dropped 40 points or more, which is already an NBA record. Mm -hmm. The second place was 142 in the 61-62 season. And Wilt dropped... 40, 63 of his 80 games played that year. Sorry, I'm just sliding in some Wilt facts because I'm a big Wilt fan. But besides the 61-62 season, the other four top five are all like the last five years of most 40-point games. 
So obviously there's like another level that's happening right now. And yeah, it was just wild. And the season's not even over. We're already at 148. I checked right before we recorded the show, still at 148. Obviously, within the next day or two, there could be more. Um, I think Embiid has seven this year, I saw, which is money. But yeah, I don't know. It was just It's just crazy that the pace that's going on right now. And so I was trying to like figure out why is there so much scoring today? And obviously, the easiest thing is to go three-pointers. So I looked it up and I'm like, oh, okay, teams are averaging 12 threes made a game. But it that really hasn't changed in the last five years. And the league average is still 36%, which basically if you shoot mid-30s three, it's been good for however long the three's basically been around. And then also I just looked up like the overall percentage, which is over 47%, which is at, that surprised me. And that's the most since the 90-91 season. Teams as a team from the field are shooting 47.5%, which just, and there's just a bunch of jump shots. Like there's a ton of threes, big guys are shooting, and just everything's going in. Um, also, this year, there is a new NBA record currently for free throw percentage. Teams are averaging 78% from the line. And I know, Chase, when we went to the game, the Sixers, they do the thing where if you miss two, if the other team misses two consecutive free throws in the second half, you get free Chick-fil-A. And every time uh, we watch games, we're like, oh, why doesn't this ever happen? Why doesn't this ever happen? And I was like, there's no like I thought about there's no like besides Ben Simmons, there's no one going to the line where you're like, oh, he might miss both. Like maybe DeAndre Jordan, but there's not a lot. Yeah. Just the fact that right now the NBA is on pace to break the free throw percentage record just shows that you know everyone everyone can shoot and yeah so just kind of like looking at those stats my kind of theories and takes on this obviously like all sports we talk about I think the talent and like the athleticism um is at an all-time high in the NBA I think it's like that in most sports but especially with the NBA you just see like there's just straight raw talent from college all the way up to, you know, LeBron, who's just an athletic freak going in his late 30s. Um, also, like we always say sometimes that NBA players don't always go as hard during the regular season. A lot of them try to save their efforts for the postseason on the defensive end, I should say. Players are always trying to get their numbers on the offense end. But just to go along with that, like the play style is a little different. There's more threes. The floor is spread, and it's harder It's harder to defend in general, even when you are giving an effort, because you can't be as physical. It's an era of less physicality. Um, the floor is spread. I mean, most teams, you have at least five – you have at least four, if not all five guys on the court can basically shoot from anywhere. And the fact that, like, just trying to defend – I mean, like you start to see some zones more now, defensive teams running, but it's just wild. The fact that like, I mean, we grew up with guys like, uh, I don't know, like Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, like didn't really ever shoot threes. You had like your specialty corner three-point shooters. The Spurs kind of ignited it in the early 2010s, but yeah, I mean, it's just a completely different game and whether teams are trying to play as much defense or kind of saving it a little bit of both. I just think with like today's NBA rules, it's hard to, to defend jump shooters. You got the Kawhi rule when Zaza took him out and by like, you have, be, have to be able to land safely. And I don't know, just kind of all of this came together for an historic NBA season offensive wise. And I just, I wonder because it's been climbing and climbing. I wonder like where where the peak is. Um, possessions possessions per game actually weren't that high. They're like it's like ninety nine or something. Even with like the fourteen second um, offensive rebound shot clock. So it's not like teams are just running down the court up and down all day. Like guys like Embiid are still able to get to his spot. Still able to make some moves. You know, swinging around. But I don't know. I just I just had to bring this up. I had to do a whole thing on it. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were too, just because it's, it's just kind of crazy how the last five years it's been higher, but like this year, especially has just been wild. And the 40 point games is just 
crazy that the record's already broken. There's still like a quarter of a season left. Yeah, it's been, I think, especially too, that the game is just, there's like you're saying with the specialist, they don't really need them anymore. Like, because everyone comes in, they're such a good athlete. And a lot of people are just good shot up. Like they can just post up anywhere and take a shot. When, like you're saying, it's hard to defend that. So like a lot of people are gaining that skill and it's really kind of taking away from just having like a traditional style offense. And I think too, somebody like a Damian Lillard on a team that doesn't have a lot of superstars, he's going to get the ball so much more often than like a team that has three big players or like someone on the Sixers. Like I doubt anyone, like we saw on B drop close to 50, but I feel like that's kind of the cap for someone on a team like that. Like Harden's going to get 20 in and around there if he wanted to, maybe even 30. But a team that doesn't have a lot of superstars, players like that can get up in there and get up in that level where they're getting like 50, 60, 70 points. So I think it's more like going to be more common too because there's so many people switching all the time and, you know, eventually someone gets left alone on a team. But yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. What do you think about it, Ben? Yeah, I just actually looked it up and 2017, 18, you only had one guy over 30 points per game, 18, 19, only one. 1923 and then the last two years only two and this year you have six guys averaging over 30 a game and so it's just you could see it in points per game stats and it's, so it's pretty wild to see that and yeah I mean like you said I mean it's scoring's up everywhere and I saw an ESPN they were just uh you know they were saying Jokic was padding his stats I mean you got you got all that around the league yeah, yeah. And- no, yeah. Chase. And like the ISO thing took over for a while too. And like people, you were just going to ride your superstars too. So, or just the, like a person on your team, like a Carmelo on the Knicks, like, you know, just stuff like that too, where that kind of was a, a thing that was really taking over the NBA, like that style of play. And I don't know, now it seems like it's really mixed. Like you see a lot of teams that were doing small ball. Now teams are doing tall ball because they have two centers again, all of a sudden. You know, so it's just weird how it trends in and out, but those scoring keeps going up no matter what they're doing, which is really interesting too. Yeah, like it's not I mean, one fad is better than the other. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's, it just the fa- uh, fun fact: seventeen, eighteen, eighteen, nineteen was Harden was the only guy over thirty both those years. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's like what we're saying. He just got the ball almost every possession, and you know, it was either going to be him running shooting or passing yeah yeah i mean this just it definitely helps the nba even more because like we said i mean the nba does great really good at marketing but the one flaw they've had recently is their regular season so obviously everyone has favorite players and when your favorite player can easily drop 30 if not 40 a night like i don't know you just see all these like oh first time a player's dropped 45 rebounds five assists in a game or you know, Dame like was like 71, six and six, I think. And it's just, I mean, there was such a gap between like the nineties and then basically you had Kobe and then you starting like when Curry and Dame and stuff in like the mid 2010s started like going off and all of the offensives shifted to just shooting the three ball, which I mean, there's just a, there's a big gap and it is exciting now. I do kind of miss a little bit lower scoring games. I'm, I do miss the traditional position sometimes. Um, ultimately it's probably hurt centers the most because now you basically have to shoot or at best you're going to be a backup center, Mm -hmm. but it's just, I don't know. It's a wild time. It's cool seeing your player drop 40, but I don't know. Like my girlfriend was asking me about the other day because Embiid had a, a 40 point night, um, last week. And she's like, is like 40 good? And I was like, yeah, 40 is really good. And then I dug deep into it and I'm like, is, is like 40 not that good anymore? <laughs> like, I mean, like you look at the list 148 times it's happened. Every, like so many different players have done it um, with more guys sitting, more guys get opportunities. But I guess like now it's like if you hit a 50 bomb, it's, it's a big deal. But it, yeah. it's just kind of wild. I mean. I'm not big into change, but it, it's good for the sport. So I, I just wonder how far this will go. Like, could this be the peak year? I mean, maybe. Yeah, it could be. And you can only bend the rules so much to give more offense. And I think that's what the NBA is going for because they know it's more 
splashy to see offense than it is to see a bunch of defense. Yeah. No, and um, I mean, in other news, I mean, two guys who score a lot, Kyrie and Luca. So obviously, Kyrie got traded to Dallas, and since they've been together, they're now one and four. Uh, maybe a bit too early to overreact, but maybe not either. They got to uh, they got to figure it out. The West is tough, and they're uh, they're falling quick. So I mean, currently right now they're at that seven spot now in the the play in. Uh, so don't currently have a, a solidified spot. And you got the Clippers right above them, who, just like you said, could be a dangerous team here down the stretch. So, oh, oh, real quick. Speaking of the Clippers, I did say they were dangerous down the stretch, but we kind of both had some cold takes that I actually saw that they've lost their last three games and Ben's trade win. Bones Highland has done absolutely nothing. <laughs> he didn't even play last night. He's just he's just marinating on the bench, <laughs> waiting for the white right time. Yeah, you love it. Change of scenery, just change of the events. Yeah, no, he just yeah. he's just marinating. It's fine. Yeah, no, no, and the Clippers are still dangerous. I just had to. I mean, yeah. I was between last podcast and this one. They're they're zero and three, and have yeah. that crazy loss, another overtime loss, yep. and then. It lost to a depleted Timberwolves team. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think with the Mavs, they made a really bad move taking on Kyrie because Luca was having an MVP season and now it feels like they took a, they took something away from him in a way. Yeah. Bringing well, in Kyrie. Yeah. Two of those, three of those five games, three of those five losses, um, three of those four losses actually were three points or less. So they just didn't close yeah. it out. But I wanted to touch on my Knicks briefly because coming out of the trade deadline, they're now six wins in a row um, with a big win last night against the Celtics as well. Um, 6-0 with Josh Hart on the team. Uh, so that's been exciting. They're now in the fifth spot. Uh, so they're doing well until, like you said, Tommy T runs them into the ground. But they've been playing nine, so hopefully that continues. Um, but another, another big one is Mitchell Robinson came back three games ago. And um, obviously huge on the defensive side, but just since he's been back, he's 15 of 16 from the field in the three games he's been back. So, you know, it's been nice to have him and we'll see if they can keep it rolling. He's definitely an underrated player. I would say Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, I mean, he like just overall. hasn't been healthy. Yeah. He hasn't been able to yeah. stay healthy. One of those big guys who just keeps getting injured, but he's a, yeah. he's great on defense and he he's been knowing when to shoot so i mean he shoots six seven times a game and that's all they really need from him yeah yeah i'm a huge mitchell robinson fan because i actually was wondering he doesn't shoot the three really he does not no okay so point proven i mean the knicks are knicks are a different built team but i mean i'm a huge mitchell robinson fan and he's having success in the starter spot on a playoff team so yeah uh, Yeah, knicks are are getting rowdy here for the playoffs (laughs) Make a little action. Speaking of big guys, I think that Portland should go after Cat this offseason. Match him with Dame. I feel like that'd be a solid combo. Because like Dame's that. never really had a good center. I mean, he did early in his career when Aldrich was there, but since then it's been, I don't know, Nurkic and <laughs> Nurkic. Uh, I mean he's still out, right? Cat? Yeah, Cat's yeah. still but I just I don't know what Minnesota's gonna do, but I feel like he's he would want to change and he seems like he would fit in Portland. And I think he would be a good blend with Dame and that would fill a big need for them. And then all you have to fill it in now is just role players, which they have a bunch of, they have, it's just Dame and role players. So add in another legitimate person in there. Like, I I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a superstar, but they need someone. And I think cat would be like a solid fit for them. I like that. Yeah. I think I think they can make a run with their team and you add Cat. Jeremy Grant's yeah. also super underrated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He can Maybe sneak in a 15, 5, and like five or something like that, just randomly. I mean, we talked about their starting lineup the other night, and it was just like, holy crap, what? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I had Cam Reddish in there in the starting lineup. Um wow. who else? They had a, a couple other guys. Um, yeah, because don't Knox. they have don't they have injuries going on too right they now? They do. Like, Kevin Knox, of course, was the they had eleven guys playing. Kevin Knox was number twelve on the bench. Not. I oh, love it. We'll get back to that, but I also saw speaking of free throw percentage, Mitchell Robinson is a forty eight percent free throw shooter this year. 
So you know. Oh, we need we need him mm. to go to the Wells Fargo yeah, Center. Get some yeah, now that he's out. back, now that he's back, we just need a couple fouls on him. Went down from a sixty-five percent free throw shooter his rookie year. So wow, not uh, yeah, not a, not a good trend. No. Do you have anything wow, else? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, your Knicks are surging, Chase. Yeah. Last two Sixers games. I mean, the Celtics one on the Saturday on Saturday night, it just pissed me off because first off, MB made a ridiculous shot. And then um, on top of that, Tatum is getting like all the pride for like the game winner, which he didn't even have a good game. Basically, PJ Tucker and Tobias Harris shut him down. Like Tatum, do you? Oh, I am not a Tatum <laughs> fan at all. <laughs> but the, no, the whole game, I I wonder. Oh, I forget what his um here. Let me see. Let me see. He finished with eighteen points, yeah, including that's the game winner. Not good. And PJ, and like what we talked about, it's easy to score. And PJ Tucker and Tobias Harris shut him down. And what does Doc do the last play of the game? Let's put the Anthony Mountain on him. And he just gets sauced and Tatum drills one of like his 10 bricks and actually goes in for once. And then I don't know. And then it just follows up on Monday night against the heat and the heater. They're the one of the few physical teams left in the NBA and they have success in it. I came away from that game feeling like, like, I don't know. It just seemed like three players got many injuries and I was just like, I do not want to play them in the playoffs again bunch of our Sixers friend, friends agreed. And the thing that made me the most mad about the Heat game was Tobias Harris finished one for four from the field with two points after posting a 20-point and a 19-point night when they gave him at least 10 to 12 shots. He's not someone who's going to demand the ball with Embiid and hard on the floor. Doc literally needs to do a better job with giving him shots. He should be shooting at least eight times a game. He's a good rebounder. He's in his 30s, and he still usually defends one of the best guys on the court on the other end with guys like Embiid, P.J. Tucker, Melton on the floor. And if they're going to win, they need him to shoot more. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I know that they play the Heat tonight. They got another game tomorrow, and I won't be able to touch much on them because um, – but they better come out. This podcast should be posted, and they should be 2-0 and in these two nights. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. The heat is a tough matchup and uh, the Kevin love thing too is interesting because he basically hasn't played in like two months and he's playing, you know, he's right back in the mix of everything. Yeah. With the heat now. So just makes you feel like the Sixers will probably give him a run and free agency this off season because he's giving him problems. So seem to do that. (laughs) Just sign the player who wrecks your season. So. Yeah. It makes me wonder about them Cavs the last couple of years. Cause Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, his outlet passing, his rebounding was pretty good, and then he can still shoot from all over. Yeah. He's like one of the, you know, one of like the first guys who was like really good outside. He'd have like, you know, five threes and twenty five rebounds on those Timberwolves teams, and yeah, he definitely still has some in the tank. And that doesn't. That's like the least, like the least I thing know. I was excited to see out of that Heat game. That was a good point. Like honestly, I think he has more left than Blake Griffin does, and Blake Griffin plays a decent bit like there's some other people who are absolutely cooked who are still playing and uh, like Kevin Love the Cavs made it seem like he wasn't I don't see that really I mean he's not the player he was like a handful of years ago either but you know I don't think he's not serviceable at this point especially on the team like the Heat you know they're going to use him and put him in a good position to succeed too they're not going to leave him out there and put him in a bad spot so. Yeah, honestly, I was surprised. I feel like as a Cavs team who's playing pretty well and in a good playoff spot, they would want some leadership like Kevin Love and a guy who's been with that organization for so long. I would imagine that doesn't feel – that's not a great locker room. You know, the locker room's not happy about it. Yeah. yeah. And he just with the Sixers – oh, yeah, sorry. No, you're good. I was just saying he was the number three on that championship team. Like, yeah. Shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah. Um, just with the Sixers too, like you're saying with Tobias, I agree because he is really dominant with the ball in his hand too at times, going to attacking the basket. Obviously, his shooting is what he's more of his bread basket, but there's definitely times where he can back someone down and take them in and draw a foul on people. And it's Doc's wasting opportunities by not having him do that, like just relying on the two-headed horse when you have three people who can really drive the offense out there. Like just see what happens and 
Yeah. Gonna, like you'll be more dangerous in the playoffs instead of like, oh, now I have to rely on Toby out of nowhere. So here you go. Yeah. And Doc coached him in LA and now they're on the Sixers. And like, if I don't know. If you watch, usually Toby only has high-scoring games because he's hitting his corner threes, and he's not even known for a three-point shooter, but there's a lot of offensive possessions where it's just P.J. in one corner and Toby in another, and it's just like it's not straight Houston vibes because obviously Embiid and Harden just do a bunch of pick-and-rolls, and it's fine when it's working, but, I mean, Maxi off the bench is good because um, then he doesn't have to be too stagnant. He can kind of come in and take over, but – I don't know. Sometimes I forget about the Anthony Mountain. He was supposed to be like a, a big pickup and he just gets like hidden out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not dynamic. Like, I don't think they really maximize people in the best position. Like, I think they have a lot of empty possessions at times because they just don't, there's not a lot of movement. And then you don't have to really play hard defense to stop a, an offense that doesn't have a lot of movement. That's not really. You know, like passing, the more you pass it, the more likely you're going to get a better shot. And sometimes I feel like the Sixers fall into a rhythm where they don't really get the ball around to the people. Yeah. You know, it just kind of stays stagnant. But yeah, classic I mean, Doc. <laughs> this is a full year of Harden, and Doc's been here a couple years now. So, number one, get the rotation right, which I finally think he's done. And now it's making sure you get the right play calls to – all guys should have success, not just Harden and Embiid. And hopefully they can figure out a like a formula down the stretch. But yeah. uh, we actually found the Trailblazers starting five from the other night. So this was the game before Dame dropped 71. They lost to, by 20 to the Kings, who are still riding high <laughs> since we talked about them last week. But, okay, so here's their starting five. Drew Eubanks. Cam Reddish, Nasir Little, Matisse Thibel, and Ryan Archidiakono. <laughs> I mean, I love the Archidiakono play, Villanova, but that start starting off with Drew Eubanks, I almost threw up in my mouth. That's a t- that's a rough start to your roster. You're like, starting five, really trying that out there. I feel sorry for you. I mean, they didn't have Simons, Nurkic, or Lillard, but yeah. just like. There's no way you can expect to make a run. I mean, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. Kevin Knox has to get more than five minutes. <laughs> that's <bench>. like, that's <laughs> almost Sixers processing era roster. Oh, just pull up a random roster from a game that season. It's just like, what is oh. happening here? Yeah. And by I, the way, as uh, I, I saw Nerlens Noel got bought out, I would really like him over Dwayne Deadman. Yes, Demon, he's not he's had like a hip injury or something. He hasn't even played yeah. yet. I, I would Honestly, mu- I just leave love- him at the airport and just have Nerlens take a spot. Because he's way better. I think like he just has a little bit more to him. Obviously, way younger. Philly ties, but I don't know. I just I kind of miss him. <laughs> he kind of plays like Mitchell Robinson. He's not as good. Yeah. But yeah, he'd be a money backup. Yeah, he'd be solid off the bench, you know, rolls. Obviously, he's not gonna start, but I I like that. I don't know if he actually has like done his buyout, but I I thought I saw I was reading that he was gonna get bought out. Yeah, he did by the Pistons. Pistons bought him out. He was traded from the Knicks on the on a draft day deal. No, that I mean that was some good NBA talk. I like that, and we'll definitely yeah. have more of that coming down the stretch here. And I had to get that Sixers vent out. So, but um, yeah, with that moving from the NBA, kind of our little personal segment section towards the end of our podcast and i know i think ben wanted to um talk about something Ben, yeah first i just wanted to touch uh base on some college baseball we haven't really talked much about that and i'm not going to talk too much but uh first off shout out to olivia picardo she is the first woman to play d1 uh, baseball she's not played yet this year but she's on Brown University roster, so hopefully she does get a chance. I think that's pretty cool. Um, that's super cool. And then I just wanted to touch on the top five right now in college baseball is LSU, Stanford, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Wake Forest. And on LSU is Dylan Cruz, who is an outfielder and projected number one overall pick. Obviously, that'll fluctuate as we're only a couple weeks into the season. Um, but he is said to be the best outfield prospect since Dustin Ackley. Back in 2009. <laughs> wow, that's a name. 
Um, so he's hitting so far 519 through his first eight games, and we'll see if that continues. Um, we'll hopefully touch more on some college baseball uh, later um, down the line as we get to the College World Series, and that stuff's pretty fun to follow. Maybe we'll even do a bracket and see how that goes. <laughs> we, we love our brackets here. Um, but I, So I wanted to touch on some sports card news as well. Um, so this past week, we had the Topps Industry Summit at Chase Field. And Chase Field's a Diamondbacks field. So they had the industry summit there. And Ken Kendrick is the owner of the Diamondbacks. And he is one of the biggest sports card collectors um, that there is. He has a card collection worth probably over $100 million. Uh, Honus Honus Wagner card, like the Holy Grail, all that stuff. Um, So it's pretty cool that they had it in the stadium. Stadium was empty except for that. And they all got like a bunch of goodies. And everyone who's someone in sports cards got to go. Um, but for those who don't know, Fanatics, obviously the giant in sports who does all, all the sports stuff, they acquired Tops in January of 2022, um, and they bought them for $500 million. So Fanatics is now behind a lot of most of baseball, um, other brands um, of sports cards. So they're going to do a lot more marketing and trying to get more people in the hobby. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's already been a lot of marketing on Instagram where they have like Julio Rodriguez, like cooking, like tops baseball cards and <laughs> random things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are trying to do more marketing and get more people into the hobby. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Um, some other news was Randy Johnson is creating his own line of trading cards with tops. So oh. there was like a picture of him in a big glove at tops headquarters. And so it's crazy because he's he's one of those guys that like flies under the radar, but I know he was doing some like uh, was a videography or uh, photo taking in the NFL. I think, yeah, yeah, as well. So it's kind of cool to see that. Um, they also announced Tom Brady Expos autos in an upcoming Bowman Chrome product. Um, so like Russell Wilson, for example, was drafted by the Rockies, so he has some like baseball cards. And so Tom Brady was drafted by the Expos. So they are going to make like Tom Brady Expos autograph cards. Um, So I'm not going to be getting any of those, but I'm sure people will be really excited about that. Um, Another thing that they said was that Big League Baseball 2023, which is one of their lower end products, uh, geared more towards young kids. Um, They're going to have redemption cards in them that include a code for an MLB player to follow you on Instagram. So basically the idea is that it'll be like a teenager or something. They get this code and they send it into tops and then like Mike Trout follows them on Instagram or something. So kind of neat, not probably something like I would think that is that cool, but some pretty cool for a younger kid or if someone's plays baseball, like in high school, like to think that Mike Trout is like watching like your like highlights or something. Um, and the last thing that I just wanted to touch on, they announced frozen fractors. Um, this is the stupidest thing ever. So basically on the back of a card, for those who don't know, you can have like out of 10, and that means there's 10 of the cards. So it's pretty straightforward. With these frozen fractors, they are doing like minus one out of zero and minus two out of zero, which makes no sense. And the pattern is cool, but it's really stupid. So I don't know what they're doing. Overall, Fanatics is probably going to shit the bed with this. And we'll see. But um, some cool things overall, but it's it's not a great sign just because Fanatics is such a big company. And you hope they don't just start printing everything into oblivion and making some of this stuff kind of worthless. But that's just my you think sense. You think they're trying too hard? The 2023 Top Series 1 product that just came out, they have printed it into Oblivion, um, which makes it more accessible for everybody. And it's geared towards that product's geared towards kids. And, but it's just, it's crazy. So, I mean, some of the things you talked about, we talked about how baseball in general needs to do better marketing. I mean, sports cards is all sports, but there's a couple of cool things like with the Instagram following. And just, I don't know, the players doing different things. Like, it could potentially get some people, like younger kids, more interested in the MLB and baseball, which that's exciting to see. Yeah, Fanatics has the ability to push sports cards um, 
And they're also, they're really pushing the breaking side, which is basically another form of gambling because you basically purchase a team and you get whatever cards from that team come out. And so you can get into, you get some really nice potential cards without paying two, $3,000 for a box, which is what some of these boxes are. So they're pushing that as well. And I know, I think they're also launching their own gambling site at some point here soon too. So crazy, crazy expansion. Yeah, no, that was a cool, cool little um, segment there. Uh, I actually didn't have anything else to touch on. Chase, did you? Um, no, unless you guys want to hear about a documentary I did watch like a little while back. Which one was it? It's a music one. We don't have to go into it at all. We can skip it. But well, at least tell me what it was. It. At least tell me what it was and if it's worth watching. Um, do you guys know the band Leonard Skinner? Yeah. My chance. Yeah. Okay, so you probably know like three songs and that's it, right? Off the top of your head. Like do you could it's like not a whole lot to it. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I probably would know one or two if I heard the like the song, but uh, yeah. yeah. And like when do you think of them? What do you think of? Like, what do you think they represent like overall? This, I know, this is deep. It's this like is, a deep question, but like we're struggling over here, Chase. No, like because I would say like when I was younger, like when you told me about it, I'd be like, oh, they're from the South. Like they're probably all about like Southern stuff, you know? Oh, okay. Is uh, are they like Sweet Home Alabama? Yeah, they did Sweet Home Alabama oh, okay. and okay, yeah, yeah. like Mississippi Kid and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, like, I don't know. They're probably just like real rednecks. And uh, that's what I thought. And I watched this documentary and I was like, damn, this is not them at all. Like they're not they're from the south but that's it like they're kind of like just forward-thinking people like they hated guns they were against gun control they had a bunch of songs about it like they yeah they just they were like racism all stuff they were just not like about any of that and they weren't actually they're from jacksonville florida which i didn't know at all either i was like i would have guessed they're from like i don't know somewhere else but yeah just it's like kind of blew my mind but the big story with them is like they actually died in a plane crash like half their band died in a plane crash one time like right after they released their fifth album i think like a week after they released it like it was going to be their biggest album ever but they got in a plane crash and died and it kind of just ended their careers there but yeah it was just wow. it's interesting yeah but if you're like it it was just it kind of brought a new perspective to me to like I didn't really know their music, but I was like, oh, I'll listen to it. And like, as I was watching, I was like, damn, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe their back or like how they just came together was just randomly like they saw kids playing and like, oh, you're good at guitar. Come play with me. And then I don't know. They just like, and it, especially with their name too, like it's just a play on words. Like it's from a name of their gym teacher who would like write them up all the time for like skipping class and stuff like that. Like his name was Leonard Skinner. And like, so as a joke, anytime something would happen and like there was a noise and like they didn't know what it was, they would just say it was that name. And that's what they named their band after. But yeah. Uh, well, if anyone's watching and wants to go watch that documentary, we yeah. might have to check it out too. Um, yeah. yeah. Quickly on the music badass. topic. Yeah. yeah. No, it sounds good. Quickly on the music topic, my wife told me that apparently Adam Lambert is now the lead singer of Queen. Yeah. He's been filling in with them for like a long time. Yeah, I did not know that. And yeah. I <laughs> Yeah, he did it as like a special tour, and then they he like kind of feel it's like how John Mayer is essentially part of the Grateful Dead at this point. I did not know that either. Yeah, I also yeah. didn't know that. Like he was a giant fan and started touring with them as like a special thing, and then he just was like, "I'll keep doing this if you want to do it." And now he's basically a member of the Dead. So Wild. I like yeah, it. Crazy, but yeah, there's a um, yeah, there's just. There was like a bunch of documentaries I saw recently and I was like, wow, this is like, I don't know. I feel like more people don't know about this. Like, I, I don't know. Like, and I ended up looking into all these different albums and finding this music that like, I never would have heard of otherwise that like, isn't representative of them. I don't know anyone else that like growing up, didn't hear it at all, but cool music. Like insane. Yeah. Uh, no, it was cool. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys one more baseball trivia here. Oh, all, all right, man. you ready? I'm in. End the show. Yeah, no, I got a I got a um quick card trivia after that. Oh, okay. okay. Right. Back to back. All right, even I'm better. Gonna... Yeah. All right, here we go. This pitcher retired in 1997 as a Montreal Expo. 
He pitched for eight teams during his career, mainly eight season with eight seasons with the Cubs and four with the Cardinals. At the time he retired, he was the most saves in baseball history at 478. The Hall of Fame closed its doors on him in 2011, and he only had 45.3% in his last year of eligibility. He won reliever of the year three times and led the league in saves four times during his career. Who is that player? Wow. I don't think I'm going to get this one. Yeah, I don't think so either. Answer is Lee Smith. Kind of sounds familiar, but I think I'm thinking of someone else. Had 478 saves, and then obviously Trevor Hoffman and Mariano Rivera passed him. Yeah. But at the time he retired, he was the all-time leader in saves. Damn. That's wild. And... Lee Smith. Yeah. I think I'm thinking of Derek Lee, too, but that's just oh, different that's player, so different, yeah, different, like different position. Well, it reminds me of Carlos Lee. Yeah, Carlos Lee. Yeah, let's just run down the Lee train. <laughs> Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. And all right, they all so, played around the same time, which is amazing. That is true, yeah. Dang. All right, well, I'll end on a, a card trivia here. Uh, so we got two cards as always, and we'll see see who can get it right. So we have a 2020 Panini Prism Silver, Justin Herbert, rookie card, PSA 10. There are 167 10s and 1,046 graded total. The next card is a 1989 score, PSA 10, Barry Sanders rookie card. There are 2,137 10s and 25,000 graded total. Which one is more expensive? Mm. So there's more, there's more Barry Sanders 10s than Herbert, you said? Yes. I'm going to go Barry Sanders. Yeah, I'm still going Barry Sanders. Yeah. It's Justin Herbert. Is Damn it. Barry Justin Herbert. Are $1,200 and the Justin Herbert is $1,400. NFL these these NFL quarterback cards are they're overrated. NFL quarterbacks are there's yeah, so much speculation in quarterbacks that it is it is very it's pretty crazy. Like Trey Lance and Justin Herbert's card values just seem like wildly not accurate. Of like Brock Purdy cards were selling for tens of thousands of dollars when he was on his hype train. Oh my gosh! In the meantime, well, like. You have cards from like Baker Mayfield that have sold for more than Peyton Man. <laughs> so it'll that's burn insane. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wild. I mean, it's almost like taking a gamble at that point. And also, I mean, I know that everyone loves QBs, but I mean, Barry Sanders was like a generational player. Oh yeah. He that could play today. Yeah, he yeah, it, it makes me like mad. in his prime, not at his age right now. Love you. Salty. Uh, I got all my saltiness out with the Sixers net, and now I'm just salty. I'm glad again. I find this is the first week I finally got you guys. Neither one of you got it right. Yeah, that I think Chase was three and oh. Damn. Yeah, one. I don't I don't think Chase missed no oh, I kind of had a feeling it was the Herbert card just because we've seen him at different shows and stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't know that Barry Sanders should be worth more. Should be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a fun way to close our show. And ultimately, we went all over the place today, but we got into some bunch of good topics. Uh, World Baseball Classic starting a week from us recording this show, which is hype. So we'll get to start to really dive into that next week. Um, but thanks, everyone, again, for listening. Um, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of prep work, but we're really enjoying it so far. And let us know if you ever want us to talk about anything like always. But, yeah, your boy Rye Red, Chizzy Chase, and may or may not drive a Rolls Royce Ben are out. Episode four. Peace. Like and subscribe us.